Parking Podcast is brought to you by the International Parking and Mobility Institute, the world's largest association for professionals in parking, mobility, and transportation. Learn more at parking-mobility.org. Hello and welcome to the Parking Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the $100 billion parking industry and the people that make it go. I'm your host, Isaiah Mao, and this is the Parking Podcast. Views and opinions are my own. Welcome back to another episode of the Parking Podcast. With us today is Peter Deppi, co-founder and CEO at Commute. How are you doing today, Peter? Isaiah, thanks for having me. Great to be on today. Yeah, thanks for joining. I'm, I'm glad I was finally able to, to connect with you because I thought you guys had a really cool solution, so I wanted to get you on the show. So I'll jump right in. I'll explain it as I understand it from my research, and then you can correct me where I go wrong. But Commute is the only universal charging network for micromobility with the infrastructure that can park and charge anything smaller than a car. So I'm assuming, you know, e-bikes, e-scooters, you work with all different brands, different companies. I'm assuming there's other small electric things out there. Is that correct? You guys can charge any and all of that? Yeah, no, that's well well said. I mean, you can think of us almost like the charge point but for anything smaller than a car. Uh, so we have the ability to park and charge both shared fleets of vehicles. So you know, I guess more people are familiar with like the birds and limes and spins of the world, but we're also able to park and charge personally owned e-bikes and scooters. So it's, it's really interesting as you're seeing, you know, street space or car parking spot space being repurposed from, I mean, car parking to more of a mobility hub. Uh, we're getting more and more traction in you know, the, the parking garage space or parking lot space where they're trying to add, you know, a little bit more value and utility to that space for, like I said, really anything smaller than a car. And again, you hit it right on the head, e-scooters, e-bikes, cargo bikes for delivery, delivery robots, wheelchairs for accessibility. They all park and charge in our hub, which are, we're all really excited about. Wow. I didn't think about that. Wheelchairs. That's, that's really cool. And, and I've been training for for a triathlon. I I ride my bike at this uh, Riverwalk downtown, and I'm surprised because you're right. I think about bird and lime in the shared system, but it seems more and more people now have their own like personal e scooters, e bikes, e whatever hoverboards. But that market's really growing, so that's cool. You guys have a a solution that does that. So what if there's a new company that comes out with a different charging port? charging port or charging properties like do you do you guys reach out to them like hey we have this universal charging station can we get your spec how's that how's that kind of work how do you keep adding to to your to your network here yeah so there's really i would say two pieces to our ecosystem that enables us to be quote universal and we're really the only ones in the industry able to do this really because of a few different reasons and i'll go through those the first one and probably the most important is that our charging hubs have the ability to, you know, output whatever voltage that that vehicle requires, anywhere from as low as 22 volts and upwards of 72 volts. Uh, on the lower end, you get the, you know, the wheelchairs, the delivery robots. Sort of in the middle, you get kind of your, you know, your stereotypical e-scooter, e-bike, and then the 72 volts is good for sort of higher-end e-bikes and other. You know, higher power, higher voltage uh, driven uh, vehicles. The other piece that again enables us to do this is we design and develop 
what's called a vehicle adapter. So you can think of if you have an e- if you have a Tesla or a Chevy Bolt or just another car uh, EV. You know, sometimes you have that little adapter that allows you to use that that charger. Uh, so the adapt the vehicle adapter for us simply just sits on that vehicle. Uh, once you install it the first time, then it's super easy to just go up to any of our charging hubs. Simply roll it into the hub. It clicks in. It's locked. Automatically charging, and you're good to go. And then you're just paying sort of an hourly fee to have that that parking and charging available to you. Really neat. And so you're listed as a, as a co-founder. How did this idea come about? Tell us about the genesis of Commute. Yeah. So we we started this myself and my co-founder Scott Spitler started this back in I think mid 2018 in in my college uh, apartment. So it was kind of a, I mean, it's, I guess one of those stories where, you know, the stereotypical startup that you're running, I mean, maybe ours was a little bit different, but we were running, you know, a farm of 3d printers in in the apartment. I was grinding steel out on the front porch. It was definitely a interesting way to get going. And man, I wish you guys had a garage because that would have been way cooler (laughs) if it started in a garage, but I know, (laughs) but still cool college apartment. I like it. Exactly. We, we, we made do with what we had. Uh, and then we we were able to grow it, and we actually launched our own shared fleet in Flint, a uh, smaller fleet of about 40 e-scooters alongside a few of our hubs. And that was great for the ability for us to understand what is it like to be a, a shared fleet operator in the sense we were bird and lime in Flint uh, in that case, so that we understood really all of the pain points that they go through. And you know, sure, on all of the, the articles, you'll see the uh, scooter messes or urban clutter that kind of ravage the streets of pretty much every city that those dockless scooters are in. And, you know, we figured, you know, there, there, there should be a much better solution, a more refined solution to this. And that's really what we've brought to the table in that regard, as well as helping the, really the, just the cost of running the, uh, a shared fleet, you know, charging and operations is the highest part, it makes up more than 50% of, of, of a ride. So they're really not making much at the end of the day. So we figured, you know, if there's on-street parking and charging or parking and charging inside, you know, nearby parking garages, it's really giving that, you know, car infrastructure-like experience, but for, you know, modes that are smaller, more nimble and, and used in the first and last mile. Man. And so I did not know you had that background where you actually were a bird or lime type company. You had your own share fleet. So is this something that you you still do you still offer that if they want to include that or no you focus primarily just on the charging now uh we focus just on the the parking and charging aspect i mean it, like i said it was great for us to go through that experience and in the beginning sure. we wanted to be both the operator and infrastructure provider then we realized that you know our skill sets being all you know engineering backgrounds we're best, you know, designing, developing, and manufacturing the charging piece that you know really allowed us to be different and still to this day is very unique. Yeah, and it allows you guys to be agnostic, you know, where you mm-hmm. you're not competing with them. You want them to use your solutions. You're you're open and agnostic in that regard. So how do you guys make your money? Do you is it strictly the charging to the consumers that use the charging or do universities or cities that are listening to do they rent these from you as well or is there you know how to how does all that work yeah no great question for the for the charging hubs uh traditionally we we just 
I guess you can look at it as two buckets. So we sell the charging hubs to the location, whether that be you know a city, private property, a corporate campus, university campus, et cetera. Also other popular ones are apartment complexes, hotels, resorts, places like that. The vehicle adapter, like I mentioned earlier, is sold to whoever owns the vehicle, whether that be you know the shared fleet, like I mentioned, or if you have a personally owned, if you own your own e-bike, e-scooter, et cetera, you would purchase an adapter and set it up that way as well. We are offering, and we're really excited about this sort of a lease option. Uh, I know we had that in the beginning. Uh, we kind of put it on pause o- over the pandemic just to kind of keep us focused. And now we're, we're kind of opening it back up again. And that's one that, you know, charging infrastructure, if you look at cars and even, even with us is, you know, it's, it's an investment, but the lease option allows a little less of a barrier in that sense to where you can get in the door with a low upfront cost and then, you know, a, a small monthly fee over the course of, in our case, 24 months, uh, which we find to be, you know, very appealing to pretty much any of our customers that are purchasing our hubs. That's something that we've, they've been requesting for a while. So we're excited to have that coming out. Yeah. It's such a great amenity to have on your property. And it's definitely increasing the real estate value by having that offering at these different properties. And so first I thought, you know, when I heard your name for, for a little while now, but I thought maybe you're still in that pilot mode, uh, new startup, but you guys have real world applications. Sounds like well, from what I'm hearing with Flint and other properties. So tell us about that. Have you, have you partnered with some apartments or hotels or airports or cities? And how's that looking like as far as your growth? Yeah. So Flint has you know, always been a great one for us because that's where we're, we're based out of still to this day. And that's where you know, all of our hubs are designed and manufactured. But for other projects, you know, in the past, we've launched in Jersey City, New Jersey. Uh, and then we have a bunch of other projects coming up in several cities in California. We recently launched in Grand Haven, Michigan with, with a partner out there. And then the big one for us as of lately is corporate campuses, just because they're all putting together their you know, back to work plans. And they're trying to figure out with this new world we live in, this new normal post COVID or during COVID, how is their mobility plan going to look like for either shuttle systems, getting employees to and from, or in a lot of cases, they're incorporating micro mobility with e-scooters, e-bikes, because it's open air, single occupancy, but it still meets their sustainability standards that they're, they're, they want to hit. Um, so we got, can't quite say who it is, but we have some really exciting things going on um, in several corporate campuses in the Pacific Northwest area. We're excited to launch in uh, this summer, kind of early fall. Man, that's exciting. And uh, I have a lot of family in Grand Haven, Michigan, so I'm going to say oh, hi, awesome. hi to them because I'm sure they listen to every episode of the Parking Podcast. Not really, but but yeah, they're, um, Wyoming and Grand Haven, my family's from from Michigan, but Man, that's exciting. I love to see that that growth, rightfully so. In fact, a lot of momentum. You guys just won an award at the uh, 13th Annual Global Auto and Mobility Innovation Competition. I saw that on LinkedIn. So tell us about that experience. Yeah, that we've, award. Yeah, we've been fortunate enough and, and having a great team you know, alongside of us has is, is really helped us get to this point. And you know, the, the GAMIC award that you just mentioned the Global Auto and Mobility Innovation Competition was was a great one that allows us to have a sort of larger reach and experience with with different partners and, and stakeholders in smart cities across the world. 
Uh, and then other ones, I mean, we, we've just recently won the FIA Smart City Competition for North America. And we just recently also announced our partnership with New Lab and Ford in Detroit, as this summer we're also launching on a, a Ford campus in Detroit. So that one for us is another very exciting opportunity to you know work us alongside different forms of mobility, uh, whether it be you know the delivery robots also going into Detroit, as well as you know working with Ford centered around you know the auto automotive world. It's really interesting to bring together mobility hubs for multimodal transit because there's a lot of great things that you can do with micromobility as the great connector of all mo- of all mobility as a whole and looking at mobility holistically like that allows people to choose the the right mode of transportation for them uh, as opposed to you know always being stuck with a car and thinking that's the best you know vehicle if you will for every every trip but if you're able to provide them, you know, a car next to a bike, next to a scooter, next to a cargo bike, they'll, it allows them to pick and choose the mode that's that's right for them. Whether that be, you know, in kind of a more open space, or uh, there's lots of mobility hubs actually coming up in in parking garages and with off-street parking as well. So again, going back to the mo- mobility hub piece, it's going to be very important to how, I mean, I guess cities deal with this post-COVID world and really enable people to choose different modes of transportation. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. In fact, that's kind of what our company focuses on. You mentioned one thing, delivery robots. Um, I'm familiar with like a tortoise. I know there's some ordinances we have to look at in our downtowns, but do you have any thoughts on that? Is that something you can currently charge and maybe explain that for some listeners who aren't familiar with how companies like tortoise work? Yeah. So on the, the delivery robot side, they've traditionally, I mean, I guess you can even look at it as really all micromobility, but we'll, we'll kind of focus on delivery robots here. They've traditionally focused on swappable batteries. But the downside to that is, you know, if you're a teleoperated or autonomous delivery robot, there's still a need for human interaction, which really almost defeats the whole purpose of having a teleoperated or autonomous vehicle for delivery. So we're working with potentially one partner, can't say who, but they're also in a, in a mutual project of ours. Uh, and then we have a few others that we're, we're talking to as well and trying to gauge you know, overall interest and feasibility of this. But there's a lot of benefits to having, I guess, one shared infrastructure between micromobility and micro delivery, but also giving the hands-off human-free process of being able to you know, un- undock from a charging hub of ours, you know, go pick up your parcel or, de- or groceries or food, uh, and then make that delivery and then end up back at another charging hub. Maybe it wasn't the same one you started at, but maybe it's one that's nearby the next delivery, but they're still preparing the food. So it allows for you know, seamless charging and security of that robot in between trips, as well as sort of strategically planning and being ready for the next one. So that for us is a really interesting space within delivery. And we're hoping that, you know, as more and more delivery robots are, you know, going through the paces, I know there's quite a few of them now and they're doing great things, whether it's, you know, Tortoise or Starship or KiwiBot or Neuro. You know, they're all doing some great things with you know slightly different form factors and you know again that leads to 
our hub being agnostic to form factor and brand that we work with, being able to park and charge all of them, being again, the charge point, but for all things smaller than a car. Yeah, that's exciting. It's crazy to think about the stuff on the, on the horizon and glad people like you are thinking about how do we accommodate all these new technologies. So man, great stuff, exciting things. I think every listener should be talking to this company. Um, if you operate parking garages or own parking garages, landlords, uh, so how can listeners reach out to you all and learn more about Commute, Peter? Awesome. Yeah, feel free. If, if you're interested to learn more, go to our website, www.commute.com, and it's K-U-H-M-U-T-E. So a little bit of an interesting spelling there, I guess, maybe diving into the, just touching on the, the background about that one. When I went, uh, me and Scott went to go by the domain name for commute, obviously the traditional spelling was already taken. So we just went with the phonetic way of it looks how it sounds. I like uh, it. Yeah. So I was going to ask you where that came from, but I assume that's what it was. Yeah. Yep. So I guess in, in the effort to be uh, the trendy startup of, of Flint, Michigan, that's, that's kind of what we went with. Um, and then I guess otherwise, we're, we're very active on LinkedIn. I would say that's probably the most active social media platform that we're on. Um, so definitely feel free to follow us there if you're interested or feel free to reach out. There's a contact us page on our website or feel free to reach me directly with my email, peter at commute.com and love to catch up with you know how people are being innovative with parking space and turning that into you know serving the community in a, in, in a kind of a newer way, which we're really excited to see how these spaces kind of develop with smart cities as those kind of you know take over. Yeah, and I'll put that the website and the LinkedIn page in the show notes, listeners, so you can check that out. And during my wonderful research, aka looking at your LinkedIn profile, I believe you went to college and were a college kicker. I hope it's the same Peter Deppi. Is this true? You were a college kicker for football? Yes. And yeah, that was... in. In a previous life, I, I, I like to say, uh, <laughs> I don't care. Where, I mean, did you, did you ever kick a, an extra point or a field goal in a football game? Um, yeah. It was, so my, my college football experience, and this could be a whole another podcast was, you know, a roller coaster of, of, uh, kind of emotions. I, I know I started off at Northern Illinois university as a punter and then kind of backup kicker and you know, some things fell through. I was, you know, supposed to be in line for a scholarship for kicking and then kind of got pulled. They brought someone new in, tried to transfer. I was supposed to go play at the University of Iowa for, for Kirk Frentz. And that fell through because the NCAA said, you know, you got to sit out one year if you want to transfer and, you know, led a class action lawsuit against the NCAA that went nowhere because, you know, when you're fighting a multi-billion dollar behemoth like the NCAA tends to, you know, side on on their side. So that was the end of my kind of two-year stint to becoming a, a college athlete. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you have a cool ESPN recruiting page. So that, that counts. For there something. we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just think that is the most intimidating, scary position. Cause it's like, you don't think about how many games there's a last second touchdown and the game. Yes, we tied it. But you take for granted that the kicker's going to make this extra point. And that's just, oh man, I just can't. I just see these kickers that miss an extra point or a field goal last second. 
and they have to go face their uh, teammates in the locker room. I just, I can't take that, man. My heart just breaks for these <laughs> kids. And I, I just was curious if maybe in high school or just a few experiences like that, that's how do you get yeah. over something like that? You're and either I, the, the hero or the villain. Yeah, it's, 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 you're one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so true. But all right. So, uh, man, Peter, thank you so much. I enjoyed our chat. I enjoyed learning about Commute. We'll have the contact info in the show notes again, but thanks for joining the podcast. Awesome. Isaiah, appreciate you having us and looking forward to keeping in contact and parking and charging more vehicles. To our listeners, thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Parking Podcast. Please leave us a review and tell a friend about our show. It would mean a lot. This has been a production of Synchronicity Media, produced by me, Isaiah Mao. Our music and score is by Zona. Our show art and design is by the talented Allison Gilly. You can follow us on social media at The Parking Podcast, or you can find our website with bonus content at parkingcast.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. This episode is brought to you by Parker Technology, the customer experience solution of choice in the parking industry. Parker Solution puts a virtual ambassador in every lane to help parking guests pay and get on their way in under a minute. Parker helps capture revenue, provides better customer service, enables your staff to focus on other on-site tasks, and keeps traffic moving, all according to your business rules. With the Parker Solution, you'll also enjoy access to real-time call data and recordings. Learn more at helpmeparker.com slash parkingpodcasts. Are you interested in your parking organization becoming APO, Accredited Parking Organization Certified through the International Parking and Mobility Institute? Or perhaps you're interested in one of your green garages becoming ParkSmart Certified through USGBC? Well, the Parking Podcast is here to help. Our Parking Accreditations Consultants Network will ensure you are matched with the best site reviewer or green garage assessor available for a fraction of the price. Learn more at parkingcast.com slash consulting. This episode is brought to you by the International Parking and Mobility Institute, publishers of the industry's only soup-to-nuts textbook about all things parking. It's called A Guide to Parking, and several of our guests from previous episodes have contributed to this wonderful little textbook. Learn more and order your own copy at parking-mobility.org textbook.